All right, so this is Statistics Chapter 12, T for 2 again. Tests between the means of related groups. Um, so what you'll learn about in this chapter, bullet point when the t-test for dependent means is appropriate to use, bullet point how to compute the observed t-value, bullet point how to interpret the t-value and understand what it means, bullet point how to use the t-test function and the t.dist function, bullet point how to use the t-test data analysis tools for computing the t-value, introduction to the t-test for dependent samples. How best to educate children is clearly one of the most vexing questions that faces any society because children are so different from one another, a balance needs to be found between meeting the basic needs of all while ensuring that special children on either end of the continuum get the opportunities they need. An obvious and important part of education is reading and three professors at the University of Alabama studied the effects of resource and regular classrooms on the reading achievement of children with learning disabilities. Uh, Renetta Goldman, Gary L. Sapp, and Anne Schumett-Foster found that, in general, one year of daily instruction in both settings resulted in no difference in overall reading achievement scores. On one specific comparison between the pretest and the post-test scores of the resource group, they found that T subscript 34 equals 1.23. Uh, with P greater than 0 0.05. At the beginning of the program, average reading achievement scores for children in the resource room were 85.8. At the end of the program, average reading achievement scores for children in the resource room were 88.5. A difference, but not a significant one. So why a test for dependent means? A t-test for dependent means indicates that a single group of the same subjects is being studied under two conditions. In this example, the conditions are before the start of the experiment and after its conclusion. Primarily, it is because the same children were tested at two times before the start of the one-year program and the end of the one-year program that the researchers used the t-test for dependent means. As you can see from the above results, there was no difference in scores at the beginning and the end of the program. The very small t-value, 1.23, is not nearly extreme enough to fall outside the region where we would reject the null hypothesis. In other words, we cannot say that this difference occurred uh, due to something other than chance. The small difference of 2.7, 88.5 minus 85.8, is probably due to sampling error or variability within the groups. Want to know more? Uh, and that's the book. Uh, the Path to Wisdom and Knowledge. To use the flowchart uh, to select the appropriate test statistic, follow the highlighted sequence in of steps in figure 12.1. You will arrive at the t-test for dependent means. Um, the difference, uh, so step one, the difference between the student scores on the pre-test and on the post-test is the focus. Step two, uh, participants are being tested more than once. Step three, there are two groups. Step four, appropriate test statistic is t-test for dependent means. Okay, so we have our flowchart and the path we're following is are you examining relationships between variables of or examining the difference between groups on one or more variables? I'm examining differences between groups on one or more variables. 
Are the same participants being tested more than once? Yes, because it's the same group of students that are taking a pre and post test. Um, so how many groups are you dealing with? Uh, you're dealing with two groups and then um, so you would use a t-test for dependent samples. So I guess the, the two groups is the the two groups of uh, scores. It's not actually two different groups of children um, because it's the same participant. Um, okay, the same participants, uh, this, the same same group of children, uh, but two different groups of scores. So that that's what the two groups is. Right. There's another way to that uh, statisticians sometimes talk about dependent tests as repeated measures. Dependent tests are often called repeated measures because the measures are repeated across time or conditions or some factor and because they are repeated across the same cases being be each case of person, place, or thing. Computing the test statistic, the t-test for dependent means involves a comparison of means from each group and focuses on the differences between the groups. As you can see in formula 12.1, the sum of differences between the two tests forms the numerator and reflects the difference between groups. So, huh. So T is going to equal sigma D in the numerator all over the square root of N sigma D squared minus sigma D all of sigma D squared over n minus 1 and that was all square rooted in the denominator there so where d is the difference between each individual score from point 1 to point 2 um, sigma d is the sum of all the differences between groups sigma d squared is the sum of the differences squared between groups and n is the number of pairs of observations here are some data to illustrate how the t-value is computed. Just as in the above example, there is a pretest and a post-test, and for illustration's sake, assume that these numbers are children's scores before and after the reading program. Okay, so we have a table here, and we have pretest, which is before the reading program, post-test, which is after the reading program, and then we have difference, which is the difference in the score. Um, so it's uh, post-test minus pretest, and then you have d squared, which is the difference squared. So, for example, the first one, uh, pretest was three, posttest was seven. So, you subtract your pretest from your posttest. So you have uh, seven minus three. You get a difference of four, and if you square that, you get sixteen. Okay. Um, bu -bu 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 -bu. Oh, and they just continue the table. And now, um, and then at the bottom. They have the sum for every single one of those columns, and they have the mean for every single one of those columns. So here are the famous eight steps in the computation of the t-test statistic. Number one, state the null and research hypothesis. Uh, I'm not going to repeat this because it's the same exact thing as all the other ones. Uh, step two, state the level of risk. Step three, select the appropriate test statistic. Um, so using flowchart shown in figure 12.1, I'm going to say this because this this is different than the other ones but using the flowchart shown in in 12.1 we determine 
that the appropriate test is a t-test for dependent means. This is not a t-test for independent means because the groups are not independent of each other. In fact, they're, they're not groups of participants, but rather groups of scores for the same participants. The groups and the tests are dependent on one another. Other names for the t-tests of dependent means are t-tests for paired samples or the t-tests for correlated samples. You'll see in chapter 15 that there is a very close relationship between a test of the significance of the correlation between these two sets of scores, pre- and post-treatment, and the t-value we are computing here. So step four, compute the statistic value called the obtained value. So they're plugging in the numbers into that uh, formula. Uh, so when they do that, they uh, they get an answer of 2.45. Uh, so step five, determine the value needed for rejection of the null hypothesis using the appropriate table of critical values for the particular statistic. Here, we go once again to table B2, which lists the critical values for the t-test. Um, I want to stop and make a note. The table B2, the critical values for t-test is a different table from the critical values of z-test, or z-scores. So two different tables, two different values. To find out the critical value for rejection of null hypothesis, our first task is to determine the degrees of freedom which ap approximate the sample size. For this particular test statistics, the degrees of freedom are n minus 1, where n equals the number of pairs of observations, or 25 minus 1, which equals 24. These are the degrees of freedom for this test statistic only, and not necessarily for any other. Using this number, 24, the level of risk you are willing to take, earlier defined as 0.05, and a one-tailed test, because there is a direction to the research hypothesis that the post-test score will be larger than the pre-test score, we find that the value needed for rejection of the null hypothesis is 1.711. So, step six, compare the obtained value and the critical value. The obtained value is 2.545 larger than the critical value needed for re for rejection of the null hypothesis. Step 7 and 8, time for decision. If the obtained value is more extreme than the critical value, the null hypothesis cannot be accepted. If the obtained value does not exceed the critical value, the null hypothesis is the most attractive explanation. In this case, the obtained value does exceed the critical value. It is extreme enough for us to say that there is no difference between the... that there is... to say that the difference between the pretest and post-test occurred due to something other than chance. So again, I'm going to I'm going to note that when they say um, the obtained value is more extreme than the critical value, they're saying that it's larger. It's greater than the critical value. I don't know why they keep saying extreme because to me extreme does not denote whether it's less than or equal to. Extreme is in statistical terms two-tailed. Um, so but we're, lo we're looking for a value that is greater than the critical value. Okay, anyway. Um, if we did our experiment correctly, then what could be the factor of, uh, that affected the outcome? Easy, the introduction of the daily reading program. We know the difference is due to a particular factor. The difference between the pretest and the, the post-test groups could not have occurred by chance, but instead is due to the treatment. So how do I interpret T subscript 24 equals... 2.45 um, and p is less than 0.05. To bullet point, t represents the statistic that was used. Bullet point uh, 24, which is the subscript in the t subscript 24, is the number 
of degrees of freedom. So bullet point 2.45 is the obtained value using the formula we showed you earlier in the chapter. Bullet point P is less than 0.05. The really important part of this little phrase indicates that the probability is less than 5% that any one test of the null hypothesis that the average of post-test scores is greater than the average of pre-test scores due to chance alone. There's something else going on. Uh, because we define 0.05 as our criterion for the research hypothesis being more attractive than the null hypothesis, our conclusion is that there is a significant difference between the two sets of scores. That's the something else. Interestingly, oh, and now using Excel's t-test function. Interestingly, Excel uses the same function that computes the t-value for the difference between two dependent groups as it does for the independent test we covered in chapter 11. That t-test function returns the probability of that value occurring, and you can use it almost the same way as we showed you in chapter 11, only you change one of the options as you will see. In addition to the t-test function, there is the t-d-i-s-t function. Here you enter the value of t, the degrees of freedom, and the number of tails, one or two, at which the hypothesis is being tested, and Excel returns the probability of the outcome. So for example, remember your normal curve learnings from in chapter 8. A t of 1.96 with degrees of freedom equals 10,000, virtually identical to a z-score with a sample that large, will have a probability of 0.05. Aren't you smart? Hmm? Okay. So, um, figure 12.2 data for using the t-test function with a set of dependent means. So they have uh, two columns, A and B. They have pre-test and then they have post-test. So um, enter the individual scores into two columns in a worksheet and label one as pretest and one as post-test, as you see in figure 12.2. We're using the same data we used in the earlier example. Um, select a cell where you want to enter t-test function. In this cell, you are going to have the t-test value returned to uh, cell D1, and that location was not chosen for any particular reason. Now, use the formulas, more function, more functions, statistical, t-test, menu, options, and the inserting a function technique. We talked a little about in little chapter 1a and enter the t-test function in cell D1. The function looks like this. Equals t-test, uh, parenthesis, array 1, comma, array 2, comma, tails, comma, type. Where array 1 is your first column, array 2 is the second column, um, now, I'm gonna I'm gonna point out that when you're doing the function, you you're not including your um your column headings. You're not including the labels. That's only when you do this at the uh, data analysis tools. Okay, so tails is one or two depending on whether this is a one-tailed um, or two-tailed, um, and the type is one or two depending on the variances are equal, which is one in our current example or not equal, which is 2. So for this this um, so for this example, the finished test uh, function looks like this, and you can see it also in figure 12.3. Note that the type is equal to 1 because our observations are paired or dependent. So the t-test is, um, you have your first column in your array 1, you have your second column in array 2. It's 1 
because it's a one-tailed test and it's one, it, the type is one, because the variances are equal. Um, so click OK and you see the value return uh, 0 0.010991. As we concluded earlier, the treatment did have a significant effect because the probability of the difference and the more than and a more than difference at that, right? Because the pretest and post-test being due to chance was less than 0 0.010991 or about 1%, pretty unlikely. Once again, remember two important things about the t-test function. It does not, does not, does not compute the t-value thinking it does is an easy mistake to make. Now bullet point, it returns the likelihood of the resulting t-value is due to chance. For example, the interpretation of a t-value with an associated probability of 0.88, and remember that's a probability maxes out at 1 or 100% likely, that is pretty darn high. Figure 12.3, um, it just has a, uh, um, a screenshot of Excel showing that shit, okay. Using the amazing data analysis tools to compute the t-value. Once again, as with the t-test for the difference between independent means, the data analysis tools gives us the equipment and all the information we need to make a very informed judgment about the value of t and its significance. Here we go with a very similar procedure to what we did in chapter 11, only this time we are using the same data and selecting the t-test. Paired to sample for means option. Click data, data analysis, and you will see data analysis dialog box in figure 12.4. Mm -mm -mm. uh, step two, double click the t-test paired two samples for means, Excel's ways of describing dependent, mean, uh, dependent means option, and then click OK. You will see the descriptive statistics dialog box as shown in figure 12.5. Step three, uh, in the variable one range, enter the cell addresses for the pretest. In our sample spreadsheet, that you saw in figure 12.2, the cell addresses are A1 through A26, and these cells include the label pretest. Step 4, variable 2 range. Again, you're doing your POTS test. Step 5, click the labels box so that the labels are included. Step 6, click the output range and select where you want to put it. Step 7, click OK. Uh, once again, our conclusion from earlier is supported. The probability of a one-tailed t-test value of negative 2.45 occurring by chance alone is 0.01, which is pretty tiny. Our conclusion must be something else going on, and that something else is the implementation of a treatment. When you select a range of cells using a dialog box like the one shown in figure 12.5, you can select by highlighting from the cell at the topmost part of the worksheet and dragging down to the bottom, or you can start from the bottom and drag up. Excel knows what you want regardless of direction. And for data that take up more than one screen, it's nice to be able to start where you want, at the top or the bottom. Okay. So what's with the minus sign for the t-value in figure 12.6? The only reason it's there is that the data analysis tools is the way that the data analysis tools compute the t-value. Excel also always subtracts the second value from the first. 
because the second value is larger, the result has a negative sign. As you identify the post-test in the first array, the, va the value is negative 2.45. Would have appeared as 2.45. But other values would not have changed. What's the important significance of the t-value? Which in this case for a Montiel test, it's about 0 0.01. Real-world stats. You may be part of the sandwich generation so-called because adults are taking care of their elderly parents at the same time as they're raising their own children. This situation and the aging population such as, as is taking place in the United States speaks to the importance of evaluating the elderly. However, this stage of life is defined and the use of statistical evaluation tools to do so. The purpose of this study was to determine whether the life satisfaction of a sample of elderly Thai participants depends on their daily living practices. Elderly people were tested to see who perceived themselves as life satisfied or life dissatisfied and scores of 85% and above on the life satisfaction instrument were used as a criterion to identify life satisfaction. Then the participants were matched on other characteristics and the two-tailed dependent test because the samples were matched. In effect, the researchers considered them the same participants was used to determine differences in mean scores both overall and for each domain of daily living practices. Now the, the group of elderly participants with high life satisfaction scores had significantly higher scores on daily living practices than their dissatisfied uh, counterparts. One of the most interesting questions is how these results might apply to other samples or elderly participants in different cultures. Alright, um, so summary. That's it for two group uh, designs that use means. You've just learned how to compare data from independent, chapter 11, and dependent, chapter 12 groups. Now it's time to move on to another class of significant tests that deals with more than two groups, be they independent or dependent, this class of techniques called analysis of variance is very powerful and popular and will be a valuable tool in your war chest. Alright, um, so that is it for chapter 12, which is the um, t-test, uh, the dependent t-test. So when you have the um, the same group of participants taking two different tests and you're trying to measure the, the difference between them, then you use the dependence or paired, sa paired uh, sample t-test. Um, different from the independent sample t-test, which was two separate groups independent of each other. Uh, and um, so, yeah, that's it for chapter 12, statistics. It was, um, oh, this one was only like 23 minutes long, so this was a short one. Okay, and goodbye.